Will you pray with me, please? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Christmas Eve, the opportunity to gather together as your church, this body of believers here in this place, and with family and friends, some from near and some from far away. Lord, we thank you for this gathering for worship, and we thank you for the gift of your Son, our Savior Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us now as we prepare to receive your word and a message again from the manger that Christ is born. All this we ask and pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the baby born in Bethlehem, and all God's people said, amen. amen. To start this year's Christmas Eve message to you, I'm getting some help from the people at Saturday Night Live. Not a usual suspect when it comes to messages in churches, but I think this is one of their best Christmas skits ever. stuff too. Who touched my piano? It was an accident! I wish I could say it's funny because it's not true, but yeah. You know, it's interesting, Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning and expectations. When you consider Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, ordinarily the birth of a baby, especially a baby boy, to a Jewish couple would be cause for celebrations. Families would gather from miles and miles around, 
come together, fill the house for several days, and celebrate the birth of this new arrival. But because of Mary's mysterious and majestic and miraculous pregnancy, because of the census and all the hustle and bustle that that created, and because Mary and Joseph actually had to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, a trek of about 50 miles or so, the festivities for Jesus' arrival would be a little different. Of special note, the only people besides Mary and Joseph that the scriptures record that were present for the birth of Jesus were the shepherds. Behold the shepherds. The shepherds. Imagine them there that night, just below the Bethlehem skyline on the slope expanse just east of that little town. Some were keeping watch. Some might have been napping. Some could have been perhaps eating or drinking, taking a break. Some might have been even playing folk songs or tunes on their pipes. We're not quite sure. But they were keeping watch over the flocks that night. We don't know their names, and their notoriety comes only from their mention in Luke chapter 2 with this angelic announcement. But who were these shepherds? There are two schools of thought, two theories on this. One thought is this, that these shepherds were privileged protectors of Passover lambs. If these were shepherds out in the fields outside of Bethlehem, Bethlehem's not too far from Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where the folks would go for the Passover celebration every year. And if Jesus was born perhaps in the springtime, uh, maybe between 6 B.C. and 4 B.C., somewhere in that time frame, then maybe these shepherds were specially trained and had the important task of caring for the lambs that would be used in the Passover sacrifice as a reminder of God's deliverance to his people and the sacrifice that was made. This is an interesting theory. And it could be noted that because of the, the shepherd's obedience to the angelic announcement and their excitement and enthusiasm of sharing the good news that this Messiah that we've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years has finally arrived, well, this theory could be plausible, perhaps. Could it be that the angels announced the birth of the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world to those entrusted to care for Passover lambs. It's possible. There's another school of thought, another theory. This one's probably more familiar to you and to me. And that's that the shepherds were poor, pitiful Padawans keeping watch over pathetic sheep. Alliteration aside, you can tell I was born in the, in the 70s and then grown up in the 80s with Star Wars because of the word what? Padawans in there, yeah, yeah, Star Wars influence. But this is the, the, an idea that we usually get from the Christmas story, that these shepherds were not necessarily well-to-do, not from a privileged class. They were probably younger, certainly poorer, and they not only watched sheep during the day, but also they had to work at night taking care of sheep. What kind of sheep? Just sheep. This was a common practice uh, back in the day as God's people, Israel, were not necessarily farmers, but they were certainly ranchers and nomadic herdsmen making their living not necessarily off the land, but off of the animals that they took care of. These privileged protectors of Passover lambs, these poor, pitiful Padawans keeping watch over pathetic sheep. 
You know, it's interesting. One commentator notes this about these shepherds. Uh, they might not have been high on the list with the local rabbis because of their work schedule, because of their lifestyle, because they weren't necessarily uh, kept up in appearance. And a lot of times their work would take them away from worship on Saturdays and away from the temple court. Could it be that the angels announced the birth of baby Jesus to the least of these among God's people? When you consider the privileged and the proud, man, do they really need another perk? Like getting to watch over the Passover lambs and not only that, but then they get the angelic announcements. Aren't, don't they have enough? Do they really need something else blessing their lives? Or when you consider the other school of thought, what about the pitiful? Will any provision of them ever be enough? We give and give and give and still there's more need. Can we ever help them elevate their situation, station, or status in life? And then the question comes to you and me this Christmas Eve. What about you? What about you? Would you consider yourself privileged? Would you consider yourself pitiful? Would you consider yourself as someone who's kind of proud, thinking, well, God's been pretty good to me, and I do pretty well too? Or would you consider yourself somewhat pitiful in that, wow, how could God ever love me or forgive someone like me? I've met all kinds of folks like that in ministry over the last 20 years. And I sometimes oscillate between thinking of myself more highly than I ought and maybe not thinking as much of, I, as, of myself as I should, being a, a blood-brought son of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I wonder where you're at this afternoon, this Christmas Eve. Thanks be to God that whether a little proud or a little pitiful, God's word is meaningful and relevant and has a message for you and for me this Christmas Eve. From the book of James, who talks a lot about the proud and the humble, James writes this, for those who might be a little too proud or privileged this holiday, who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And for those who are pitiful, the ones who perhaps think less of themselves, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. And whether proud, privileged, or pitiful, James has another word for all of us. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Thanks be to God for his word that guides us, that guides us and instructs us in how we are to be as God's people. And not only that, but it tells us so much about who God is as our Lord and what he was willing to do to be our Savior so that no matter who you are or where you're from, no matter what your last name is, no matter how many people you know, no matter what's in your bank account or your investment portfolio, God has a message for you this Christmas Eve. It's the same message that the angels had for the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Which people? Which people? All people. Certainly those who have descended from the Israelites, 
Certainly those who acknowledge the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Jesus' day on that night when Jesus was born and the shepherds were gathered there, but also certainly true of all people today. God desires that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth in him. And that truth is made manifest in the person and work of Jesus Christ when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, that incarnation moment where God himself chooses to dwell like us, become like one of us yet without sin so that he could be the sacrifice that was acceptable to God the Father in heaven and the substitute that was necessary for us on the cross because it was Jesus who would later take the penalty and the punishment for our sins, our selfishness, our shortcomings for those times when we're a little too big for our britches and prideful. And sometimes for those moments when we're a little too pitiful, not recognizing who our Lord and Savior is and acknowledging that it is in him that we have our worth and well-being. Jesus comes for you. Jesus was born for you. The angels continue, for unto you is born this day the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord? Who is Jesus born for? You. Who is Jesus born for? Me. Why did Jesus come? As Pastor Eden said in the children's message, to save us from our sins. Thanks be to God for that. So friends, this Christmas Eve, this Christmas day, this Christmas season, we can, like the boys and girls who came up for the message, receive this news of Jesus Christ, believe in it, not just at Christmas time, but believe in it for ourselves each and every day. That Christ came for us. That Christ came for you. That he came for me. And whether poor or pitiful or proud or privileged or somewhere in between, there is a place for you, all made possible by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the message of Christmas. That God loved you so much he couldn't imagine a heaven without you. So he sent his son Jesus to be born of a virgin, to be born in the way that only Jesus could be born so that he could be our savior. And because of that, we like the shepherds, herald the good news to others and share that Christmas joy.